having an amazing day. Welcome to Chang Chats with Stu Chang and I'm Stu Chang. Today, we're going to talk about EQ, what it is, why it's important, and what you can do to improve your own EQ. I've got a special guest with me today, my dear friend Megan Bradley. Say hi, Megan. Hey, Stu. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks for being here today. So those of you who don't know, Megan is a local leader. She's been elected to numerous local government positions. She's in government, so she's going to need all the EQ she can muster. And really, honestly, she does EQ better than anybody I know. So today, Megan and I will explore EQ with you. Before we jump in with Megan, let me briefly explain really what EQ is. In a nutshell, EQ is the ability to understand, manage, and use your own emotions in a positive way to communicate effectively, to empathize with others, to overcome challenges and diffuse conflict, and in the end, really build better relationships. EQ really involves the, the generally accepted definition of EQ, and there, there, are, there are a few out there, but the generally accepted definition of EQ really involves four abilities. The first is self-awareness, which is it's your ability to recognize your own emotions and how they affect your thoughts and ultimately your behaviors. It's your ability to understand your own strengths and weaknesses and really have self-confidence. So that's self-awareness. Secondly, we have self-management. That's your ability to control your impulsive feelings and your behaviors. It's the ability to manage your emotions in healthy ways, take initiative, and follow through on commitments. And it's about adapting to changing circumstances. And really, you can't self-manage if you're not self-aware. So these things build. Third thing, the third ability is social awareness. When you're in a social setting, are you empathetic? Can you understand the emotions and needs and concerns of other people? Can you pick up on emotional cues? Do you feel socially comfortable? And do you recognize power dynamics in groups or in organizations? And these groups can be groups at home. This could be your family. And finally, there is relationship management. You know how to develop and maintain good relationships, communicate clearly, inspire and influence others, and work well in team, uh, in team environments and really manage conflict. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, I've got Megan here as a guest today because I honestly, I've known Megan for years, um, probably a decade or more. And I've seen her in her local government positions. We have coffee every so often. And I, I promise you, Megan does EQ better than anybody I know. So, hey, Megan. So let me ask you really the first question. So I've only known you, you know, in the last few years, I've really become tuned into how well you do EQ. But was it always like this for you? Does this, do these four things, and you do each one of these four things really well, do these things come natural or is that something you developed over time? I'd say it's a combination. Um, I would like to say that, you know, that I was born calm and cool and collected at all times. But I think if you ask anyone in my family, they will tell you that's not accurate. 
Um, so I, it definitely is something that I've, I've developed. Um, that said, I think I have a um, propensity to be a peacemaker um, and, and by extension, a consensus builder in, in groups. And I think that, um, that that's something that I have kind of honed as I've, as I've um, gotten older and, and more mature and had more life experience. But, but the peacemaker side of me, that's always, that's always been um, something that I've done. And, and <laughs> ironically, it's not always in my own self-interest, but, um, but it, you know, it, it comes from a, a, an honest place in my heart where I, I don't want, I don't like conflict. So I try to uh, facilitate um, a happy, you know, cohesion in, in any group that I'm in, whether it's in my family or in the workplace or in a social setting. So, you know, first of all, you said as you get older, you're not that old. So you've only had a few years <laughs> to, <enough. laughs> to, to really hone this ability. So interestingly enough, you started by saying that you feel like just growing up, your natural disposition is that of calm. You seem to not, you also mentioned that you seem to not like conflict. So is this, are, were these just necessary abilities that you developed because you were trying to interact without conflict? You know, probably. Um, that's, that's a question that would be a good one for me to delve into on the therapist's couch, I'm sure. But, um, but I, yeah, I, I do think that that's, that's part of it. Um, I, I, I like peace. I like everyone to get along. And so if there is anything that I can do in a situation that becomes tense to diffuse the tension, or to help, you know, parties on two different sides see each other's uh, viewpoints and and help them come to a point where they can where they can work more smoothly or more harmoniously. That, that is always always something that I'm trying to do. And and um, like I said, that that isn't always um, that hasn't always helped me personally because I can tell you, you know, when my um, when I was young in my household. Uh, I have a mother who was an actor and um, prone to the dramatic, and my sister is also prone to um, to explosions from time to time, and so I, I played peacemaker quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think I started practicing that when I was uh, oh fairly young, <laughs> and, and it it served me reasonably well as an adult. So what do you, so it seems like you, you develop this because you really would just prefer to interact with, with less conflict. But what do you think about these people who seem to just thrive on conflict? Do you think them developing EQ could help them? I, I, maybe this is hard for you to answer because this is literally the opposite you. So I don't know. It's like, put yourself in the mind of these folks that just, I don't know, you, you get in some of these rooms and you just see people that they just... It's just this constant attacking and and just their way or the highway. What I mean, do you think EQ could help somebody like that? You seem to have the desire, but yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think um, I think there's definitely a place for spirited debate and discussion, and and that's the other kind of um, irony. As much as I don't like conflict, I love a good debate. On any topic, I had a friend in college, and he and I would take opposite sides 
on um, on topics just for the sake of the debate. I would I would take positions I didn't even support because it was fun to engage in that like verbal sparring. So so that part of it I don't mind at all, and I I encourage that um, kind of discussion. But it always has to have a degree of respect. And so when you talk about people who thrive on conflict and and that um, that negative energy that can come from it, they they could they could shift the the focus. And and make it more um, more positive and less less personal and less nasty, and it would absolutely help not just help them um, have a, a happier life, but I think it would actually help them achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve. Because you just you don't get very far if all you're doing is being combative. Oh yeah, so, and I love the distinction you make, which is the difference between just this unhealthy type of conflict versus healthy conflict. Look, healthy conflict, spirited debate done with respect and empathy. I, I agree with you. It is it is probably the best way to go air your differences as opposed to just this unhealthy conflict where people just get nasty. You know, there's a saying, right? You draw more flies with honey than vinegar, you know? So no, that, that, that's great. So it sounds like, you know, you, you've kind of been born with this inner calm, but you know, the, your, your, your distaste for unhealthy conflict kind of helps, helped you to go into developing some of these abilities. Let's go through each one. Um, and let's talk about maybe just give me an example of how, how you manifest this ability um, in your life. So let's go back to self-awareness and I'll, I'll just remind everybody self-awareness then is, is your ability to recognize your own emotions and how they affect your own thoughts and behaviors, knowing your strengths and strengths and weaknesses and having self-confidence. And, you know, I've always, you know, the, the one example, Megan, that I always come up with when I talk about this one is I sometimes interact with people who, when you say something they don't like, they just eye roll on you. And I don't even think they know they're eye rolling on you, but you see it and you're like, oh, you know, so clearly I've said something they don't like and, and the tension just starts to build. So give me an example of how you manifest self-awareness in, in your interactions. I, I do try to, um, to be sensitive to body language um, and, and I, I will readily admit that I can roll eyes with the best of them in, in the right circumstances. <laughs> I don't, you and I have never been in those circumstances. I don't know what the back of your eyelids look like. I've never oh, seen them. Oh no. There's some people in my, in my household that probably have seen it. And, and I actually, a co coworker commented that he saw me roll my eyes one time and I was like, oh gosh. And I was uh, Ironically, I was horrified that he caught me because because I do try to be very aware of that um, because I I know what it's like to be on the other side of it. It's so um, it's so off putting and um, and disparaging and demeaning to to be the recipient of of that kind of negative body uh, language. So I I try to be aware of how I'm sitting when I'm listening of how I, uh, um, what my face is doing, you know, this all sounds very calculating when I, when I'm saying no, it out no, loud. No, but... no, not really, because this, this goes to the idea of triggers, right? I think if yeah. you want to 
improve your emotional um, thought processes and thusly your response, you have to be aware. And and the only way one can be aware is if you've developed triggers. So, you know, where, but for, for you, you know, where, where do these, I don't know, where do these triggers come from? How do you develop triggers? Is it something that is broad or do you have specific triggers for different things that you're watching out for? Like for me, there are some behaviors that I struggle with. So I have to develop very specific triggers to know when I'm starting to think that way and I can feel myself getting tense and my blood pressure going up and I have to, my trigger has to kick in and I, you know, and I have to know, you know what, calm down, take a pause, take a step back, look at yourself from a third person perspective. And before you react, think about what you're going to do. You know, that, that's kind of my trigger. So how does it work for you? Uh, mostly I'm, I'm completely not, um, not aware of, of the triggers and I don't, I don't, um, have to think about them up front. I do, I do try to go into any kind of interaction, um, reminding myself that, um, that uh, positive energy, um, begets positive energy. So like I try, I, I try to smile a lot and I'm, I'm generally a pretty happy person, so that's not a real challenge. I also am very aware that, um, your, the thoughts that are in your head and your internal monologue, um, affect those around you. And so, you know, if, if I'm in a grumpy mood, but I'm going to go out and have coffee with you, for example, you would never know that because I have what I, um, what I kind of call like my, my private side, my, the, the private Megan, and then the public Megan and the public Megan is very, um, very calm, but always, always upbeat and, um, and, you know, generally a happy, cheerful person. Um, even, even if there's something bad going on in my life, most people, except for like my very, very closest friends would never know because I'm, I'm aware of that, that persona that, you know, that I'm bringing out into the world. Yeah. I've met people who, when they're in a bad mood, of course, everybody around them knows it, but I don't even think they realize that they're exuding all of this negativity. So let's, let's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And a little bit of what you're talking about moves on to the second, um, ability, which is self-management, right? So like you've talked about, even if you're having a bad day, you try to self-manage. And so let's recap again. Self-management is your ability to control your impulsive feelings or behaviors. It's your ability to manage your emotions in healthy ways. It's taking initiative, following through on commitments and adapting to changing circumstances. So yeah, so you've talked about, you know, uh, if, if something bad is happening, but you and I were going to go have coffee one morning, you're just not going to come over just, oh, doom and gloom. Let me just ruin your day too, because mine's already ruined. So might as well bring the world down with me. No, I I don't know that I've ever seen that. So talk a little bit um, more about how how self-management manifests in your interactions. Uh, Mostly it's, um, it's, that awareness that I don't want to bring, I don't want to bring the rest of the world down just because something's gone wrong in, in my life or a given day or whatever. That's not to say that I don't get annoyed and irritated by stuff and, and I'll 
rant about it a little bit because I think I think that's also healthy. You, you gotta, you know, you gotta release that a little bit. But but then I, I you know, I'll rant and I'll make a joke and then it's over. Um, so I I think that I use um, humor to an extent to to diffuse um, my my own anger uh, or frustration or disappointment or whatever. Um, and then also I, um, I try to just, you know, think of something, something positive. Like when my kids call and they've had a, a rough day at school, um, or, you know, something's not going right in their lives. And I, I, I let them, I let them share and I let them tell me what's going on and, and express what they need to express. And then towards the end of the phone call, I will always say, tell me something good that happened today because it's just, you know, it's flipping that little switch where, okay, maybe, maybe things didn't go the way you wanted. Uh, maybe, you know, you didn't get a job you wanted or, or um, you, you lost something or something broke or, uh, it, you know, it's just been a downer of a day, but there was probably something good that happened. And so I try to just key in on the one positive. So, you know, even if I've had a, major disappointment there probably is something still that's that's going on that's good in my life and I try to you know redirect the energy towards that um and that's that's part of how I kind of pull myself back out of wallowing or um or anger or frustration yeah um and I'm also just not one to I, I don't, I don't wallow. I, that, that to me is a waste of time. It's inefficient. Wallowing. Nobody enjoys it. <laughs> Not my thing. Yeah. You know, I did a, a podcast about joy and happiness and what you can do to get more into your life. And that was my first number one tip was, you know, focus on the positive things going on in your life. Look at any given point in time, you know, you may have an, a, you may be having a good day, a bad day, whatever. If you're having a bad day, there are still a billion positive things going on well in, in almost everybody's life, you know? And exactly. And, and yeah, I, I totally agree. If you want to just be at inner peace and have joy in your heart, then let's not wallow on the negative things. Go try to, because it is, it's a choice. Viktor Frankl has a brilliant quote and he says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And it's in that space is our ability to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And, and yeah, totally agree with you. So you kind of got ahead of me a little bit on the next one, which is social awareness. So again, a recap of social awareness is you have empathy. You can understand the emotions, needs, and concerns of other people. You pick up on emotional cues. You feel comfortable socially, and you recognize power dynamics in a group or in an organization. So yeah, you've talked a little bit about how you use empathy with your kids when they call. You just don't dismiss what they're saying and then say, oh, well, if you thought you had a bad day, let me tell you about the day I just had, right? <laughs> you, you do get into that listening mode where you do listen a lot. Um, Tell me how else that you you use this social awareness, you know, this empathy, this this need to first recognize the the feelings and validate those feelings of others first. Well, really, at um, at the core of it, everybody just wants to be heard, and so if you if you give if you give someone the opportunity to speak, 
and, uh, you know, it sounds a little hokey, but like speak their truth. That That's what they need. And, you know, particularly if you're going to be in a situation where you may encounter resistance. So, for example, um, we have a family member who um, is universally thought of to be pretty difficult. And, and she really can be. <laughs> but... Are, are you going to hope that she just doesn't listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I may, I may not send her the link. <laughs> but she, and, and she, actually, she's not self-aware enough to know that I'm talking about her, so it's okay. But if, um, what well, I what's her name? Is, and maybe we could, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> not getting me on that. What I found is that um, if I just let her kind of tell me something about, you know, what's going on in her world, um, the the demands on um, that she she puts on people and the the negativity and the she's a little bit Eeyore like that kind of gets um, mitigated because she just she just really wants to tell you she just wants to tell you what's going on in her life and you know sometimes it's a it's a woe is me story and sometimes it's not that interesting even but you know I I feel like she has as much a right to be heard as anybody else. So I'll indulge it. Now, my husband finds this incredibly furious. Oh my God. Does this mean that, that your I husband, does this mean that we can't let him listen to this podcast now? <laughs> no, no, because he'll know what I'm talking about. He, he, he has often complained that I indulge, you know, this family member and, and that I, I give her too much attention. And it's not that at all. I really am just, you know, I'm just validating that she's, she's a human being. And so that's, that's where I think that, um, that, you know, that empathy really comes into play. And it's not, it's not that I'm uh, manipulating her or anything. I just, I, I just feel like she's as deserving of it as anybody else. Yeah, you've now, said that are twice. Are her stories interesting? No, right. but, 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 you know. But she no, should be able to tell them. You've said that a couple of times, and I think it's a really interesting point that you say that Everybody is deserving of being seen and heard, you know, and, you know, I, I think at one point somebody interviewed Oprah and asked her about what drove her success. You know, I mean, here Oprah is this multi-million millionaire talk show host. And she said, you know, what drove her success was when she recognized that people just have this need to be seen and heard and what they said mattered to somebody. And I think that is one of the keys to this whole, uh, you know, this journey of EQ and how you can get more, you know, better relationships with people. To me, the, you know, look, all of these things are important, but I think that one is is really important is to really listen with an intent to understand, um, you know, uh, validate. And, and Brene Brown talks about this, you know, have empathy and compassion in your dealings with people. You know, if you start getting dismissive of other people's thoughts, all you're going to do is build resistance and conflict. So yeah, no, that, 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 that's brilliant. Um, and then let's move on to relationship management, which is, you know, how to develop and maintain good relationships, communicate clearly, inspire and influence others, work well in a team and manage conflict. And, and I have to tell a story to, to our listeners so um, we have a local neighborhood Facebook group, right? Like who doesn't, right? And these things are a source of 
constant um, um, amusement to read, but during the the a recent um, local, so I mentioned earlier that Megan was a a leader in local government, and so Megan was running for what we call a municipal utility district, a mud board position, and. Um, well, prior to that, so this was recently prior to that, of course, the elections were coming up where the whole neighborhood kind of split into two camps, all the Republicans on one side and all the, um, you know, the Democrats on the other side. And Megan was known in the neighborhood as a Democrat. Um, and so if you were labeled a Democrat in our neighborhood, the Republicans were just like, yeah, nope, those are bad people, you know, just end of story. But um, the point in all of this is, as Megan was running for this mud board, the Republicans, the conservatives, started to band together and say, who are we going to vote for? We should only vote for Republicans and conservatives. And Megan's name comes up. And here is the, the testament, you know, the most recent testament to her ability to build relationships. And EQ is, you know, she had so many of the Republicans saying, well, yeah, Megan's liberal, but she's reasonable and she listens and she's somebody I feel I could work with. And in the end, um, Megan won her board seat on the mud board. So, um, Megan, tell me a little bit about your views on relationship management, you know, is where does it come in into the overall EQ and is it a separate ability that you, you, you know, one should develop and how do you develop it? I don't know if it's a completely separate ability. I mean, I, I do think that um, that it's one, um, and maybe maybe of the four, it might be the easiest one to learn, um, because I, you know I think self self awareness and self control perhaps are a little more challenging for some. Um, but but the relationship management, if if you can if you can. Um, really just put yourself in the other person's shoes. And that's, that's what I always try to do. Um, you know, when, when I'm in a, in a meeting or in a, a, a discussion or, or a debate or wherever, where I feel like there's going to be some, some conflict and some dissension, my, my, um, first impulse is always to, um, try to see where everybody else is coming from and really try to find the middle ground because as much as, as I am known as, as liberal Megan, and I really am, but as much as, as that sort of, I feel like you're more in the middle. I I don't know that you're far left or anything like that. And, and I'm, um, I like to think I'm pretty open-minded. You know, I, here's a, here's a little story. When, um, Years ago, I was completely, completely anti-gun, like 100% guns shouldn't exist in the world. <laughs> I know like where this story is yeah. going. <laughs> well, but, but and the, the great irony of it is that I'm actually not anymore because I've talked to a bunch of gun owners and, you know, and they explained to me what they like about it. And they, you know, they talked about how much pleasure they get from hunting or from going to the range and, and or skeet shooting or any of those things. I'm still not a a gun user or aficionado myself, but, but it, it made me think that, you know, that maybe my viewpoint was too narrow. So I really do try to, to find kind of commonality um, when I'm dealing with others. And, and if that means that, um, that I have to 
to bend a little bit on, you know, my more rigid original tendencies and thoughts, then I'm okay with that. Um, and I think that, you know, <laughs> the country and the world probably would, would go a long way if, if more people um, were willing to, to bend and compromise. I know that's kind of a dirty word these days, but, but that's really, um, that's really how things uh, get done and how, you know, how progress is made. So, you know, combining the, um, the need of others to be heard with actually listening to them when, when they're speaking, that's, that's how you find a way to, you know, to kind of meet in the middle. And, and that is, uh, how I have negotiated, um, my way through some kind of difficult, contentious times, um, you know, and, and, and figured out ways to get along with people who <laughs> I maybe wouldn't naturally, um, be aligned with. Yeah. The thing that you and I've talked about several times in the past is you focus on the what, not the how. You're able to, quote, compromise or listen to anybody's idea on how. And, and my observation is when people disagree, for the most part, they're, a di- they're disagreeing on how something gets done. And as the old saying goes, right, there's a what, there's a million ways to skin a cat or something like that. How to get something done isn't as important as do we all agree on the what, the bigger picture, the more the value item, right, which is the value statement, which is what people care about. Do we care about our family's safety and security? I think whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, sure you do. Now, there's different views about how to get that safety and security. And if we all focus on just the how, we're always going to be arguing with each other. I think, and as, as I've seen you do, is when you start bogging down on the how, back up to the what and make sure you and that person agree on the what. Like, what is the thing that we both do care about? And then let's go listen to probably more now of a data-driven argument about how is the quote-unquote best way to get that done. And best for some people could be time, for some people it could be money, it could be whatever. But at least if you focus on the what and gain agreement there, you can you have a fighting chance to go hammer out the how. So let's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let, let me let me try to wrap this whole thing up with with our one of the favorite words that I know this thing bugs you more than anything else on the planet. If you want to know what one of Megan's pet peeves are, it's when people, well, well, it was when men mansplain things to her. And so tell me about, you know, I thought this was a good <laughs> good <laughs> good way to wrap this up, which is mansplaining where does this all fit in for you in terms of eq um you know i think it's a good overall example when people mansplain things to you how you handle it and (laughs) and and get you know and and ultimately get a result get either what you want get something done in the end when you've got this man saying hey little lady let me let me explain to you uh, you know, how life works, you know, which is, you know, tell me what your version of mansplaining is and how do you handle it? Well, well if anything triggers me, that, <laughs> that is it. Um, and, and that's one where I, I don't um, exhibit so much self-control because uh, so, so my version of mansplaining is um, 
not just when a man explains something to me and and I well I wait let, let me interrupt you can, can a woman can a woman <laughs> can a woman mansplain to you or or just is it just a man um, thing yeah I, yes I think I think a woman could do the same thing the the thing with the mansplaining is that that um it's it's more about a power move oh. than it is about actually explaining something so so that's that is why it does trigger me um it so if a woman um, is in a room and she's talking about something and another woman comes in and says, you know what, um, I actually know about that topic and starts trying to explain it, but explains it incorrectly. It's not typically it's not because that second woman is trying to control the first one. When a man does it, it's a um, it's a microaggression. And so it, it really is designed to put the woman back in her place. Wow. And, um, yeah. <laughs> to put yeah. the woman back in her Does a woman have a place to be put back? Well, into? that's where, yes, exactly. So, so when I am mansplained to, and this has happened to me several times in the last um, year or so, um, actually in the, in the last four or five years, <laughs> I can think of some key, key examples. Um, that's the one time where you will see me, uh, use body language, um, very deliberately. So, Oh, interestingly. Um, so you use yeah. body language as a part of your interaction. Yeah. Yeah. No, at the, um, specifically that's where you have to, um, where I adopt what I consider sort of more traditionally masculine body language and body movements. So that's where you lean into the table and, you know, you kind of like assert, <laughs> assert dominance, I guess, as it were. Um, and, and I have actually had to do that. That is not how I interact in a normal, um, in a normal meeting or a normal like group setting. Um, but, but when I am um, confronted with that degree of mansplaining where it really does feel like it's intended to, to put me down. Um, I, I kind of push back and I push back verbally, but also I, I do use body language, um, to, you like, know, like to what? Do you flip them off? Do you, do you flip them off? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, if it's just on the phone, it doesn't help. It doesn't help on the phone. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. if you don't like mansplaining, I hate to tell you this, but you just put yourself in all the wrong places with all of the <laughs> government positions, the local HOA positions, the committees that you're on. It's just full of old men who want to mansplain things to you. So if you, if you hate it, I'm suggesting you go find different work to go do. <laughs> well, maybe I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment, but, I, you know, I kind of see it as a challenge. Because uh, there, there is one. Oh, here um, we go. Is this oh. where all women think all men are projects to be fixed? <laughs> Let, you know no, that that's a whole nother no. podcast that we're gonna have to get no, into. I had a, uh, I had a, a an older gentleman that I worked with in a volunteer capacity who who did, did that. He tried to mansplain a few things to me, and and I have, um, I have decided that it's my job to help him learn. And so he is my project. And, and <laughs> does he um, know, does the... he know you're his project? Mm, no, but he's learning. So does, <laughs> does that count? 
Oh my god, this is like that episode of Big Bang Theory where Sheldon gives um gives Penny chocolates every time she does something right. Oh. Yeah, no, it is it is like that. I have to uh I have to help him help him learn the error of his ways. Um <laughs> oh, and, and the error him, of his ways, I see. Yeah, help him see that you know that that women have valuable things to say as well. That that's really the the crux of it. Is you know that again, I have a right to be heard just as much as he does, and and he has started to to respect that a little bit more. Well, that that's great. So, okay, um, any overall tips? Other, anything that we've talked about? Anything overall that you can uh, share with people on really how they can develop EQ a little bit better? Um, I think the the most important thing is just to listen and not we have this desire to, to multitask and to, you know, use time super efficiently. And, and I am as guilty of this as, as anybody, because there are a finite number of hours in the day. Not, I want to, I want to take full advantage of them, but there are times when it's important to, to just focus on the conversation that you're having or the task at hand or the interaction that you're about to go into. Um, and, and that's something, you know, put down the cell phone. Um, don't, you know, don't be reading emails while you're on the phone, like actually engage. Um, because what you'll see is when you, when you give somebody that respect where you're listening to them a hundred percent, you're going to get a positive response, um, back. And, and that will, that will aid in where you're trying to go. So if you're, you know, if you are, only half listening, you're only giving them half your respect. And that's, that's not, um, that's not going to be received well on the other end. So that's, that's one tip I would share. Um, the other thing is, is like we were talking about earlier, just remember that, you know, somebody else might've had a really crappy day and, you know, and if, so if they come in, in a foul mood and it's bringing down the room, if if you can help somebody out of that state of mind, that's a win for you too, because then, you know, then, then you can form a closer bond and, and a stronger ally who might, might be important for something you're trying to do later. Um, so, you know, that, that positive energy begets other positive energy. I think that's, that's very important to remember, not just for life and, and, um, and social interaction and work uh, interactions, but also just for your own mental well-being. Uh, you know, it it takes so much more energy to be negative than it does to be happy and upbeat. Um, and and you know, I don't want to waste my energy on on uh, things that bring me down. So that's that's my biggest tip, just for everybody. Uh, you know, just try to try to focus on the positive. Yeah, I, I love your. I, I love what you said in the beginning, where you said, you know, be present in whatever it is that interaction is that that you're having, because as you look at all the four abilities that generally are regarded as EQ, self awareness, self management, social awareness, relationship management, if you're not present and paying attention to all of those, then the default position is you come in. 
self-centered. You've got something you want to say or force down everybody's throat. And you're going to do that in a very push kind of way. And we've talked about how everybody just wants to be seen and heard. So I love that tip where you're saying, you know what? Be in the moment, be in the conversation so you can pay attention to your own feelings and thoughts. You can manage them. You can pick up on these social cues from other people, you know, and, and, and yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's brilliant, Megan. So thank you very much. Um, this has been, um, very opening for me and, uh, it's always wonderful to, to chat with you. So, um, thanks and have a great week. Thanks. You too. It's been fun. Okay. Take care, Megan. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's chat, and if you did, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you know somebody else who might enjoy these Chang Chats with me, Stu Chang, go ahead and share the podcast with them. Thanks for listening.